When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian and you're listening to another episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a bi-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing how exactly, like step-by-step, how exactly to create that functional entryway that flows. Now, we all know when our entryway doesn't work, right? We're stepping over the shoes, the mail that needs to get put in the mailbox is all over the place. So we all know when an entryway doesn't work. But today we're discussing how we can create one that actually does flow seamlessly, My guest today, I'm willing to bet that she would argue that creating one that flows is much easier than you may think. Today, I am speaking with Shira Gill. Shira is a home organizing expert and the author of her first book, her new book, Minimalista, your step-by-step guide to a better home, wardrobe, and life. Shira, I'm really thrilled to talk to you today. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I always love to start off by having my guests kind of introduce themselves. I'd love to know who you are and how you found yourself interested in home organizing. Okay, great. Well, I'll try to keep it brief. (laughs) Um, I am from San Francisco, born and raised, and grew up always wanting to travel a lot and child of divorce. Um, So I went back and forth from house to house every other day as a kid And so I kind of discovered my own version of minimalism when I was really young, but mainly just um, realized how much my environment uh, affected my mental health. And I think learned kind of at an early age to claim control where I could find it. So I loved keeping my room clean and tidy and having systems for things. Um, I never, ever would have guessed that I would have become a home organizing expert, but now that I am, I can kind of look all the way back and see some of those signs. So I spent most of my career in theater, but pivoted when I had kids and had to navigate all of the stuff, all of the things, all of the piles, and really had to figure out how to stay minimal and organized um, for myself. And then started having other moms, friends, colleagues ask me, how my home remains so tidy. And that's essentially how my business was born. So I became a home organizer with a less is more philosophy. Um, And then years into my business, I also became a certified life coach. So I kind of like to say that I help affect change from the inside out and the outside in. 
I love that holistic approach. I'm sure that there are many connections you found in your work in which somebody's outer life is reflected on their inner life and vice versa. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, I think part of what inspired me to become a certified life coach, aside from just general interest, was after working with dozens and then ultimately hundreds of clients, I just started seeing all of these themes emerge of people feeling shame, overwhelm, guilt, paralysis. Um, and I really wanted to have a toolkit to help them not just by creating a streamlined environment, but kind of organizing the clutter in their brain and really getting to the root cause of the clutter in the first place. Well, speaking of setting up that home, you have a five-step process for getting that home in order. Could you briefly discuss those five steps for anybody who's not familiar with your work? Yes, absolutely. So it actually took me about 10 years to figure out that I did have a step-by-step approach because I always just worked really organically. And then when I went to write my book and really think about how I had helped people, I realized I was doing the same five steps again and again, and they really can be applied to anything. The first step is I call clarify. So that's really just asking yourself those questions like, how do I want to live? How do I want my home to feel, look, and function What do I love about my house? What is challenging about my house? Like really taking stock of the big picture so you can get very clear about your goals and how you want to live. And then the second step, once you've clarified, whether that's for your whole home or even just a specific space, the second and I think most important step is edit. Um, And so that is obviously where you clear the clutter, you eliminate what's not essential or important or aligned with those goals or values you've identified. The third step is organize. So this is a big mistake people make is they often organize before they've edited or before they've clarified. Um, So I always caution people, you know, before you go run out to your favorite container store and buy all the things and all the systems, you edit first. And then you're containing and setting up systems really just for the essentials that you've identified. The fourth step is elevate. Um, So that's often the fun part, kind of the cherry on top for people of now you're edited and organized and things are feeling better. Now you can take it to the next level. And for some people, that's as simple as having some fresh flowers or plants in their space for others. They do want to buy the beautiful bins or baskets or systems or labels. And then the last step is just maintain. So um, I think that's a step often people forget once their house finally is feeling good and streamlined and set up. Of course, life is not stagnant. And so you're always going to have things coming in and out of your life. People are always going to give you gifts. You're going to buy new things. So I outline a lot of principles for maintaining your space. Kind of the biggest one is just practicing the one in one out rule or some version of that so that as new things come into your house, you're kind of parting with a similar number so you can remain clutter-free. I love how you mentioned there that in life, things come in and things go out. And I love that you said that because that's so true for the entryway, right? It's the place where things come in and things go out, people and stuff included, library books, mail, you name it. And so before we talk about how my listeners can create that functional entryway. I'd love to know what are some of the biggest 
concerns, I was going to say problems, but I'll say concerns <laughs> that you usually see when you are working with clients? Yeah. So I would say there's two big ones. There's volume, um, which I'd say is number one, is just too much stuff and too much to manage. And then number two is lack of systems. These two things really hold true in the entry, right? Like most entries that I see have massive piles of coats and shoes and umbrellas and hats. And when we really take the time to evaluate what do you actually use and need on a frequent basis, um, it's typically like 10% of what's cluttering up the space. So volume is always number one. That's that editing step. And then setting up some really easy intuitive systems. So everything you have has a home, a place to go at the end of the day. Hmm. I'm going to ask you how on earth to create those systems in a minute, <laughs> because I think the word system stresses a lot of people out, right? Oh, no, you, not only do I have to create the system, but then I have to maintain it, which in some cases can continue to be a lot of work. But before I do that, in your new book, Minimalista, you list a bunch of items that, in your opinion, should never be in an entryway. Can you give us some of those? Yeah, so I can tell you some of them are quite funny because <laughs> I've really seen it all. But I would say a lot of the things that I see are actual trash or recycling that just kind of makes its way into the home but never gets dealt with. Kid art um, that doesn't find a home or a place to be either displayed or stored or recycled. Massive amounts of shoes. So I think having a shoe off house has been, uh, I would say, not a trend, but something that has been fully embraced by a lot of people, but without any sort of system to ensure that you don't have piles and piles and piles of shoes as the first impression of your home. That's one of the most common things I see is just opening the door to meet a new client and literally like a hundred pairs of shoes in a mountain. <laughs> you mentioned shoes. And so I have to ask you, as somebody who has a lot of shoes, <laughs> uh, and you know, I live in New England, so my, my lots of shoes are really functional. I need the galoshes, but I also need the snow boots and I also need the flats and I also need the sneakers. Like I, I do have a lot of shoes. How do you recommend storing them? Do you recommend storing the snow boots out of the entryway when it's summer? Talk me through that. Sure. Yeah. Shoes are one of the most challenging, I think, like one of the biggest organizing challenges because depending on the way your house is laid out, you might really be short on storage. But like you said, have a number of shoes that you really need in the mix depending on the season. Number one is assess the season that you're in. So if it's the middle of summer, you don't need to have five pairs of boots, obviously, in your front entryway. So I would say as soon as a season kind of transitions from one to the next, take stock of what is in front of your entryway and kind of pluck out all of the shoes that don't belong and relocate them. And so that could be if you have a mudroom, relocating them up to a higher shelf. Um, if you don't, like I'm in a tiny 100-year-old bungalow in the San Francisco Bay Area, so we have extremely limited storage space. So, you know, during the summer, I'll take my winter boots or my rain boots and I'll relocate them to the one storage closet we have, which happens to be my daughter's closet. So sometimes you have to get creative about where you can relocate, but getting it out of that prime real estate area where you see it. 
And then also really questioning the quantity. Like, I know that there are people that think they need to have 10 types of boots for winter. I would really look at which are the boots that I really wear frequently. What do I need absolutely for um, different weather? And then having a designated place for those. So if you're in a place like New England where you have real seasons and you need boots, I would consider having like a storage locker or cubbies with the depth and the height to accommodate a boot. Um, having a designated place where you can stow those items that you use regularly and then relocating whatever is not in use for whatever season you're in, if that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. And this is a little bit off topic, but I'm talking to a home organizing expert, so I have to ask this question. I get emails and DMs and voicemails all the time from my listeners asking for organization tips beyond the entryway, all over the home. I'm not a home organization expert. I am a minimalist, though. And I do feel as though when we talk about organizing a space, we first have to talk about paring it down to the needs and perhaps letting go of the wants. I feel as though in my life, organizing becomes so much more manageable when we take out the things that we don't necessarily need or don't need to be there. Is organizing that simple or am I just completely missing the point? No, you are you are nailing it. And really, you know, of the five steps that I outlined for you, number two edit, which really is that decluttering process, is probably where I spend 90% of my time with clients and in my own home. I think almost every organizing challenge can be solved if you're willing to let go of the excess volume. So like an example, because I have a smaller home And, you know, we don't even have an entry closet. We have like a little basket for shoes right in the front when we walk into our living room and a handful of hooks and a few baskets. I realized even if my kids wanted to have 20 pairs of shoes, there's nowhere for them to go. So it's about respecting the physical limitations of your space and then making choices that feel really good. So I realized my kids can have kind of a daily use shoe, like a sneaker for school, a dress up shoe and a rain boot. So they each have three pairs of shoes. Super easy to store three pairs of shoes. You don't need to go buy fancy systems, right? And then for me, like I actually love shoes. So my rule is there's only room for me to keep two pairs by the door. The rest have to be in my closet. Shira, I have a bunch of specific questions that I have. I'm having issues with them in my home. Is it okay if I ask them? Yes, I love it. Okay, my first question is the masks. The masks, and I would even say the sanitizer. They are all over the place, and I don't know how to store them in the entryway that that doesn't look like a big disaster, and that actually works. (laughs) So help me out. Okay, I hope I can. So this is something I had to figure out as well. In our house, we like to have one place for the clean masks, and then... Our policy is right when people walk in the door, they put dirty masks straight in our laundry. But for other people, depending on your layout, you could have one vessel for clean masks and one for dirty masks. And then when the soiled ones are full, you just 
pop them in the laundry. Because masks are not so pretty to look at, I would recommend concealed storage. So that could look like maybe you have a credenza in your entry and you make a drawer that's just for clean masks. Maybe you have a cubby system and then you can have a bin or a basket one labeled clean masks, one labeled, you know, masks to go to the laundry, um, or you could even do kids' masks, adult masks. Another, you know, if you're really short on space, masks hang really easily on hooks. So we at one point just had a hook for clean masks that they would go on. And as we're running out the door, we could grab one. Keep it really simple. There are um, now mask racks that you can buy that really are like a special system just for mask storage, um, including even the inserts for N95s, like the filters. But I always like to keep my systems very, very simple. And then for the hand sanitizer, if it needs to be out in your entry in a place where lots of people see, I recommend just getting a pretty glass vessel with a pump. So if you don't want kind of like the plastic drugstore fluttering up your entry, you can actually make it look really lovely, put it on a tray. But, you know, we're all living in this strange time where these things have become a new reality. So I think like anything, it's embracing it, making it as simple and intuitive to find as you can. I love that. I have an image in my head of this beautiful kind of like a soap dispenser, but for sanitizer on this silver tray. I I mean, (laughs) I want that for my entryway. So thank you. Yes, it's all about elevating the everyday. I mean, it's like a $5 investment on something you see every single day. So if it can give you a little extra joy, then why not? Okay. How can you help me with library books. Oh yeah. Another good one. And I should say, cause I know you mentioned like the mention of system can be overwhelming for people. And I totally agree. So I just want to let you know, like the way I define system is literally anything that helps you contain and find the things you use most. And to me, that can be a shoebox, It can be a bin, a basket, a drawer, nothing fancy or complicated, or even that involves putting holes in your walls. So when it comes to library books, I like to have a very basic system, which is just a bin or a box for anything that's been read and needs to go back to the library. Within, you know, if it's you or your child, um, you might want to have a place that's like a specific place that is the to-be-read library books versus the to-be-returned library books. I like to have a place... I call it my outbox by the door. That's anything that needs to go out of our home. And that includes library books, store returns, you know, the Tupperware you borrowed from your neighbor. So having a system that really you can just call your general outbox that could just be a big bin or a basket or a drawer or a cubby. And that way, everyone in your family knows if it's in this place, it means that it's meant to exit the house. So then if you're partner or kid was running to the library, they could actually grab those books and return them. Okay. I love the idea of an outbox, but can you give me some imagery around yours? I mean, I'm picturing this super ugly plastic tote. Is that wrong? No, never. (laughs) So um, mine, because, you know, so I have two kids and a husband and a puppy. So there are a bunch of us with a bunch of things going in and out every day. So my outbox is actually a big, beautiful open basket. Huge, in fact, kind of the size of a laundry bin. 
We have that in our living room next to our entry credenza. So it's kind of on the way out the door, but it can blend in with our living room decor. So it's tall and structured and has two handles, just a beautiful woven basket that you would buy to store like throw pillows or blankets. So I always love to merge form and function whenever I can. Um, And I like that because it's tall, so you can't really see the contents if you're sitting in the living room, but it's open, so it's super practical. So anybody walking by can toss something in it or take something out of it. Hmm. Okay, so that's the outbox. But in your book, I also read about inboxes. What is an inbox and what's in yours? (laughs) So the inbox is basically a way to not have random piles of paper strewn all over your home. So I define an inbox as just a single vessel that you use to collect mail, action items, school forms, anything that requires your attention that needs to be dealt with that comes in the door. So for me, that's typically where the mail goes. When my kids come home from school and they shove forms at me, I just say, put it in the inbox. So they know anything that requires my attention has to go in this basket or I'm not going to deal with it. Likewise, if I have anything you know from work that I need to deal with, an invitation I need to respond to, it all goes in the inbox. Um, we use a family inbox, so we just have one vessel, but some of my clients prefer to have one for every member of their family so they can manage their own to-dos. So what this looks like functionally in my entry is, again, I love a basket. It's a pretty open, round basket. It sits on top of this entry credenza I keep mentioning. And as we walk in the door, any paper that comes in, unless it can be recycled or shredded, goes right in that inbox. And then once a week, I sit down with my husband. We usually do it Sunday night, have a brief family meeting to kind of go through our week, our grocery list, any big important to-dos. And then we kind of divide and conquer the inbox so we can reset it for the next week. What I love about your tips is that they're not difficult, right? Yes, this is the goal. (laughs) And I say that, you know, with admiration. I feel as though if an organization system is multi-step or too difficult for my two young children to do independently, it's not worth my time maintaining. But there's nothing difficult about your outbox basket, and there's nothing difficult about your mask drawer. Anybody can do this stuff. And so I love how accessible yeah. your your tips are. Well, thank you. The truth is, I mean, I am a busy working mom myself running a business with two kids and a dog and a husband and all of the things. So I've really figured out systems that work for me and are easy for my kids. And those are the tips I share with the world. And I think from being in so many other people's homes, what I've seen is the more complicated a system the less likely you will maintain it. So I'm always thinking, how do we make this so simple that even a two-year-old could do it? That's like when I nail that, I feel like then it's ready to be put into action and shared. Yeah, that's so important because I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old and they each have their own shoe bucket, their baskets. But all they have to do when they walk in the house is take their shoes off and put them in their bucket. 
we're still working on that <laughs> in my house. <laughs> you know, like they just take off their flip-flops and then go out and leave them at the door and then go on with their day. So if it's too hard, if I'm going to ask my seven and four-year-old to take their flip-flops off and put them in their shoe divider, it's just not going to happen. They can't even put it in a bucket. What do you say to listeners who are listening who maybe live in a small apartment or in a really old home without that designated entryway? How can they create a functional entryway that flows if they don't have an entryway? Yes, I love this question. And I can confirm that I do not have an entryway. (laughs) I do not have an entry closet. So our home is 1,200 square feet and it has two closets in the whole home, one in my bedroom and one in one of my daughter's bedrooms. Luckily, you can make a makeshift entry with a few simple things. My go-tos are installing hooks. Hooks obviously are wall-mounted, so they don't take up as much space as a coat rack, for example, or a big cubby system. So I like to have hooks for hats, for dog leashes, for backpacks, for purses, for coats, you name it. That's like my number one go-to organizing product. And in my house, we have this tiny sliver of space when we walk in the door and we basically are landing in our living room. And so what I did is I just installed one row of hooks at arm's reach for my kids. And I actually had them stand and reach their little arms up when I installed the hooks to make sure they would be functional um, because that's where they put their coats and hats and backpacks when they come in. So I wanted to make sure It was manageable for them, just like in a preschool classroom. Above that, we have a similar row of hooks for me and my husband and any guests who come in the home. So number one is just find a place where you can mount hooks that can corral those things that often get dumped when you walk in the door. I even, on our hooks, have a big, pretty kind of farmer's market basket that conceals our dog leash and poop bags and bike helmet and reusable shopping bags. So all of those things that tend to just pile up in the front of your house, obviously we don't want to stare at those in our living room. So they're all just tucked into this open basket that hangs on a hook and everyone in our family knows anything for going outside lives in that basket. Number two, setting up a really simple, minimal system for shoes. So if you don't have an entry closet like me, that can look like just having a small um, two-tier shoe rack on the floor or even a basket. I have a nice big rectangular basket where my kids just toss their shoes when they come in. And then also repurposing furniture that you have. So if you walk right into a living space, like I've mentioned, we have a big credenza with a sliding door. So all of the storage inside of it is concealed. That's where my shoes go by the door, my husband's shoes, our masks, sunscreen, hand sanitizer. So kind of thinking about where can I conceal those things so that they're out of sight but still accessible. And often that is just repurposing furniture that you already own. Um, And then I would say adding a very simple system for mail. So um, again, if you're very short on storage, that could just be a pretty wall pocket that hangs on the surface of your wall. If you do have a credenza or some sort of small entry table, um, it could look like just a pretty bin or basket. You always will want to have one place where that paper can go that can be your inbox. I forgot the exact words 
you said there, but you, you had mentioned this phrase and it really just spoke to my soul. You said, however you can conceal your stuff in a pretty way. Yes. <laughs> um, I think that's really how it goes. Declutter the stuff, have the essentials by your door, and then how can you conceal it? Like nobody wants to look at the dog leash, let's say. But if you put it in a pretty basket that's hanging on a hook in the door, which by the way, I'm going to get, then your entryway feels so much more welcoming, yet still is functional. And I think that's the takeaway. Like it's totally possible to create that functional entryway that's still aesthetically pleasing. Yes, exactly. And I think, you know, for most people, clutter feels distracting and overwhelming and everything we have in our home provides some level of visual stimulation. So I'm always thinking about, A, what do we really need, use, and love? And what can we strip away so we have less to store and manage in the first place? And then once we've done that, how can we create the most simple system and then how can we elevate it and make it aesthetically pleasing? So often it's just figuring out for those things that you want to dump when you come in the front door, how do we make that pretty? Maybe that's like a beautiful woven basket, or maybe it's a leather catch-all tray, or I have clients who have repurposed like a beautiful ceramic cup or bowl to drop their keys in. So it's first assessing what are the things that I do want to drop in my entry do they have a place? Is it easy and intuitive? And then how do I make it more attractive? I love that. We all deserve something that's attractive, right? We all deserve to live in a home that brings us joy and doesn't contribute to that visual overstimulation. Yes. And I think little things can go a really, really long way. Like sometimes in an entry, I'll just say to my client, like, do you have a piece of art or a mirror, you know, that we can put up here, something pretty to look at when you walk in the front door. And often without buying anything at all, they'll say, oh, you know what? I do have this thing in the basement I haven't known what to do with and let's put it up or, you know, an object from my travels that's important to me or a photograph of somebody that I love. Adding a pop of personality that really feels like it reflects your personal style. And then I also love to add life. So that can be as simple as plopping a little plant um, in your entry or fresh flowers or yard clippings. But I do think that step of elevating your space, really, it makes you feel like you're caring for yourself, you're caring for your space. Um, and I think just sends a subliminal message that, you're taking care of business, that you're being intentional. And it really can affect how you feel and how you show up in all of your comings and goings. Shira, this conversation has given me so much to think about and implement in my own entryway. Where can my listeners find you and your new book online? Yes. Um, thank you for asking. So my website is just my name, shiragill.com, S-H-I-R-A-G-I-L-L.com. You can follow me on Instagram at shiragill. Um, and my book is out with um, Penguin Random House, and you can really buy it anywhere books are sold or um, it's linked on my website. 
Again, thank you so much, Shira. I wish you and the launch of your first book so much success. I'm really excited to get my hard copy and I look forward to continuing to follow your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Listeners, I so hope you enjoyed my chat with Shira. Now, I should say that thanks to global shipping delays, the book's launch which was supposed to be this week, has been pushed to November 2nd. So if you are rip-roaring ready to get your hand on Shira's new book, you cannot do that currently, but you can, however, pre-order it. The link to do so is in this week's show notes. Now, I will see you on Thursday for another episode where I'm answering a listener's question. However, I'm doing it with a twist. I brought a guest on to help me answer it. We're talking about non-toxic cleaning, not DIY cleaning, but how to read a product label so that you are choosing the products on the shelf that align best with your values. Have an amazing two days and reach out to me if you need me. See you Thursday.